Systems accessed. Activate. We are thrilled to be able to talk to our guest today. You may have seen her on Stephen Colbert, James Corden, Roast Battle, or from season six of Last Comic Standing. She hosts a podcast with uh, Adrian Apolucci on the Riotcast Network called Vag. The release of her debut comedy album, Voluptuous Boy, is on this Tuesday, July 21st. Please welcome our guest today, the hilarious Sarah Tolomash. Sarah, thanks with us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, of course. A podcast every day of the week. And then today's a busy one. I have, I'm doing three, three oh, podcasts wow. today. Yeah. That's awesome. That's I great. feel like a, a, a cam girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I see you there. We're, 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 uh, we didn't, if you want to do some video, we can, we can make you not feel so bad. Hello. Hi. Uh, hi. I'm Chris. That's Kevin. How are you? How you doing? Good. How are you guys? We are wonderful. We're all, we're, we're going to do some cam work too. We got to make money in this, uh, yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, little guy, guy stuff, you know, yeah, pay some bills. Yeah. What's, what's, <laughs> you know, because people like that, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, they I love it. Just, yeah, Kevin's on cut, so we're going to try to dock. We'll Whoa, see how that works. No. <laughs> no, not. <laughs> exactly. I was joking. <laughs> so uh, we kind of employ a guerrilla style of podcasting here, uh, you know, in this kind of COVID lockdown era with the children interruptions and dogs and background noise that is kind of unavoidable sometimes. And we noticed from the videos of your podcast, Vag, that sometimes you record from bed or from the couch and it's seemingly at random. Um, how do you think that the coronavirus lockdown has kind of impacted the way we deliver and consume media, particularly in comedy? Um, well, we consume a lot because I just think about like, doesn't it feel like ages ago that Joe Exotic came out and that we're just over it? I forgot about him. So yeah, you it just seems like, this seriously <laughs> seems like two years ago that that documentary came out. We oddly, you know, like Joe is like kind of taking the backseat to, to Carol Baskin, who uh, I don't know if you know this, but she got tricked into um, a cameo where she was shouting out a known pedophile. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I, th- I think I saw it, but I didn't really click on it. And it looked like it did look like a cameo, but I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, it's similar to how a uh, famous comedian gets tricked into coming on to a crappy podcast. I, <laughs> I think that I'll you. Uh... There's no such thing as a crappy podcast. They're all crappy. <laughs> Agreed. That's, a, good, that's a damn good point, Sarah. Oh. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is you know doing all this this promotion. Like you said, you're like you're running the ringer, and um, it, it's it's tough. I'm sure not being able to get on stage and 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 work on your craft. So, you know, how are you dealing with that right now? And any plans to get back on the road at some point? Um. Well, I, I was going to do a weekend at the Arlington Draft House, but then we decided with all the spikes happening everywhere um, and that there were, I think, several comics back to back that tested positive for COVID that I just realized I was like, oh, um, it's probably not best to do it. So I've been doing, I found this to feel just as good. I deliver jokes on TikTok. Oh, nice. Sweet. Just from my couch. That works. Um, I did a drive-in show nearby in uh, Astoria, Queens. Um, That felt like a live Zoom show. Right. Oh, work. Oh, yeah. Because you're like, 
I can see everybody, but you can't hear their laughter because they're in their car and then they're a honking. So they would honk on a premise, but they were just being like nice. But you're like, it, it's, I'm just doing this for like the novelty of it, but it's not like the most ideal situation. And then I did a show in the park a few days ago at Central Park and that wasn't that bad, but then they didn't have a mic. And oh, so... You shouted a megaphone? <laughs> no, you just had to like project and I'm not oh. really a projector and I feel like I deliver my jokes in a like drier or like quieter tone. Yeah. So that's always kind of difficult, but it was fine. But I did do one show at QED and they have a backyard and then they set it up with a stage and a mic. And that was the first time that I had actually felt like I was doing a, a real show. And that that's was fun. Great. That's did, cool. it, did it feel somewhat normal? I mean, like yeah. all those other situations seem like completely abnormal. Like, it, it, like this is like outer space, man. Yeah. What's happening right now? <laughs> it's yeah, it's not the best substitution for an actual live comedy show. But you know, there were some of those gigs where you're like, like the drive-in one. You're like, these aren't actually the worst shows <laughs> I've ever done. <laughs> Oh no. Oh God. It's to your point. Like if you can't hear people laughing, like you don't know, I, that's, I, I got, I got to imagine, you know, it's got to be infuriating as it's almost like you're constantly bombing. Like you have no idea if, if you're landing anything yeah. at all. You just have to accept like you're just delivering a monologue and then you leave and you're like, I don't know what that was, but right. <laughs> Well, didn't they do, uh, cause, they, cause obviously comics are having a, a real tough time. I think if people forget about the fact that, you know, you guys make your living on the road, um, you know, obviously there's other ways that you could do it. You have podcasts, you get, you get monetized podcasts, things like that. Um, but, and, and you know, uh, some, sometimes you can get, get some extra money on YouTube or Instagram, depending on how much, how much click, how many clicks you get, but it's gotta be really tough not being able to, to, to go on the road and make your money. The, they did those shows on, on YouTube. It was like the comic. I can't remember what the heck it was called, but it was, uh, they, it was like, like eight hours of comedy and it was all on YouTube. But again, the only, you have nobody to, to really react to it. You're just talking into a microphone and hoping that it's funny. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. It's, I wouldn't say it's fun. It makes it feel like it's work at that point. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. When, when you're doing a show in New York with no microphone, people just think you're like angri angrily ranting. Yeah. Some crazy woman on a, on a stage yelling at everyone. Like a homeless person. Well, I mean, in New York, <laughs> it's not that abnormal. No. Yeah. No. Well, yeah, it feels like you're just complaining rather than performing jokes. That's what it feels like. <laughs> Well, I mean, to that point, like, cause New York has gotten a little bit crazy. Um, and you seem like the type of person that like would be more cautious again, that just the, the vibe I get from you is like, is, is it kind of nerve wracking? Do you, are you going out and, and like exploring the city? It seems like, especially with all the protests and things like that going on, it seems a little bit scarier than normal. Well, um, it's kind of, everything's kind of died down in the city. I've after the protests here in New York city, and then realizing that we never, we didn't spike again after it, then it made me feel a lot safer. So I feel like if you just wear your face mask and wash your hands all the time and don't stay indoors with a lot of people for an extended amount of time, then I think you should be fine. So, I mean, I've been going, I went on the subway the other day was my second time and it felt fine. And it felt like getting back to regular life. And I just wore a mask. I felt That's like great. I was running spots again. 
That's awesome. Well, that's good. And that's, you know, like you're going around the city doing and and hitting whatever you can. That's, that's great. And I know that the stand, um, I think it was uh, maybe on Monday, they did a live Legion of Skanks outside. I'm I'm not sure how they figured that out. Could just given the the logistics of it, but they did, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. So it looks like we're starting to get back to normal in some kind of way, shape or form, which is great. Yeah, I think you just, you just, it becomes the new norm. You figure it out. Like, there are aspects of it that I like because when I walk around, I walked to my spot last Friday and all the restaurants are now doing outdoor seating. And then the city of New York has let people extend their cafes to the street and it they've made it really nice. And it looks like Europe. It's really fun. Like all these people are outside eating. So it's pretty cool looking. Yeah, dining al fresco is the way to go, and we we live in in the Philly suburbs, and there's a, there's a city called called Phoenixville by where we live, and they basically just completely shut down the street from Thursday to Sunday, and all the restaurants have tables out like in the middle of the street, so people can come and eat socially distanced, but you can be outside and it feels safe, and you actually feel like it's Normal. actually somewhat some semblance of normalcy. Yeah. It's really cool. Oh yeah. I, I just like the idea of being able to do, do, do comedy outside. And then some guy like in a, like in a, in a taxi cab yells at somebody else interrupting your set. <laughs> like you're in the middle of a premise and you're like, Hey, get the hell out of my way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've had, I remember one time I did this show in Brooklyn and it was at a pizza place and they had big windows and it was on the street and they had opened the windows out. And then you would just get people driving by going, you're not funny. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Thanks a lot. I don't want laughter and you're telling me I'm not funny. This is fantastic. Don't worry. Chris's wife yells that at us through the door when we're recording. The yeah, podcast, exactly. So. <laughs> it's motivation, I guess, to be funnier. Huh? I guess that's yeah. what it is. So, by the way, I love the title of your album, Voluptuous Boy. And my first reaction was like, oh, wow, an homage to your to your buddy, Robert Kelly, who has your riot cast going on. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I didn't want to be too something or maybe Joe's getting a little heavy. So but where did you come up with that title? Why Voluptuous Boy? Well, it's a it's a punchline of a joke that I had. And I like the, the name of it. It felt like an album title. So I just well, I was going to call it White Lady. Because I, I haven't, I have other jokes of, uh, talking about being a white lady. And then I felt like all of my jokes fall under the umbrella of like all my complaints are like, you know, worried that my avocados are about to expire. Just very like, <laughs> innocuous, you know, first world problems. And I thought, so I, I was going to name it that, but then like Black Lives Matter happened and it felt like racial tension. And I felt like out of context, like uh, the record label was like, it just might come off another way. People aren't going to know who you are. Like they would right. have to listen to the album and they wouldn't listen to the album. So to not deal with any of controversy, I decided to change it to Voluptuous Boy. It makes sense. And I like it. it. Yeah. I, I, also too, um, it would be horribly, uh, uh, you know, tragic if you get canceled because of the title of an album. <laughs> like, ah, oh, she, she called it white girl. All right. Well, she's over because you know, the Twitter world is to set a fire, you know, like they, they yeah. they'll find something, you know, but, but then I thought I was like, you know what, that, you know, even when stuff like that happens, people still want to check it out. Like there's no such thing as bad publicity. 
Yeah, yeah. it's true. Yeah. You're right. You're right. That's absolutely correct. Well, instead of white lady for the next album, may I suggest a Karen in America for the- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's great. Uh, so uh, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, because uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, Sarah Tolomash um things ever was when you battled Joe on roast battle and it, it didn't seem like you pulled any punches whatsoever. I like, I, I'm a big fan of roasting. Uh, I think you have to have a real thick hide um, on both sides. The best roasts are people that actually know each other, you know? Um, I, and I yeah, thought it was I really funny, but Jesus Christ, you dominated him. You really, you owned him. You said you decided not to have kids with him because you were worried that the baby would have Joe's teeth and get snacked on your pussy, which I thought was the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever heard, maybe ever. So, uh, like, how was, like, the, the after of that? Because you not only did you kick his ass, but you did it handily. Did, did he, well, was he upset? <laughs> no, because, like, the, like, trade secret or whatever, we wrote our jokes together. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we were, like, because it's, like, a show, and yeah. you want, and then also we gave each other all the stuff that we were fine with making, being made fun of about, and that people would probably, it felt like a deep cut. So um, a lot of people are like, did that hurt your relationship? And I would say that thing never made a dent in our, our relationship. Like it was a lot of fun. We were there to make money and then get out. <laughs> you even said that. You said, why are you here? We want to make money. We need money. <laughs> I was like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least you guys like laid it right out there. You're like, that's, that's why we're here. That's why we're doing this thing. It was like free therapy. It was actually, it was like doing therapy and then getting paid for it. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, and you weren't even married that long at that time, right? Was it like a year maybe or, or six yeah, about months? A, yeah. About a, I think maybe about almost close to a year. We're heading to our year anniversary, but we had been together for a really long time. And then our engagement was about two years. Where did you meet Joe? I mean, obviously you met him at a comedy thing. I would assume like, it would be weird if it was like a, like a whole foods, you know, yeah, you just happened to just random. Joe list. <laughs> um, he lived two blocks away from me and I was all about convenience. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's great. Well, I don't know. I was, you know, I was a little over 30 and then you just get tired of like, I'm tired of going to like all the way to Brooklyn. And then I just really liked him. He, he was fun to hang out with. So then we hung out all the time. So it started off as if we knew each other as friends for a few years before we started dating. It's kind of like how when you were a kid and again, you're 30. So this is, I mean, we're a little bit older than you, a lot of bit older than you. Um, but when you, you didn't really have like the kind of technology you have today. And so your friends were all based on geographical, geographical convenience. You're right down the street. I can hang out with you. I mean, I love you like as a person that I could be better friends with people that are further away, but I can't get to you. So I guess I'm stuck with you. <laughs> oh yeah. I think one time I became friends with a girl cause she had a birthday one day after mine. That's <laughs> fair. Say we can celebrate like- together. Yeah. You're like, that's all I need. And also at that time, you're just like, that felt like a coincidence, but then you realize it's not really a coincidence. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I, well, I think the older we get to is like, I want less friends and more convenience. That's what I'm constantly seeking. Yes. Less people and more convenient things for me. Yeah. yeah. Someone's like, Hey, let's hang out. Where do you live? 40 minutes away. Ah, I, I can't do that. I'm not, no. No, I remember I, I dated a guy in Brooklyn and I was like, I might as well just be doing a long distance relationship. <laughs> it's, I 
it's just not it was not worth it would be like an hour to get there yeah and then you yeah. start balancing out the amount of time invested to go see that person and how much you really enjoy their company there's yeah. a ratio there a formula that you have to figure out definitely yeah so I, I did want to ask a, a little bit more about the the album itself like kind of how it came together I, I see that you record the one thing that was really interesting to me is that you recorded it um at, you know, right before everything hit, you literally got it in under the wires, like March 6th or something like that. I think that you did it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was, I had people being like a few people on my Facebook being like, I had to get a return on my ticket. Cause I don't think I'm going to come in because of COVID. And then I, first of all, I was like, can you not put this on my wall to make other people you know, back out because of your concerns. I was like, you could have, you didn't even have to tell me there would be no way that I would not know that you showed up. Um, but at the time, like, I didn't really think I was like, I didn't really think we were going to have to deal with much of it. Cause I, you know, I've known about SARS and that was a big deal, but it never really hit the U S really hard. So at that moment I was like, Oh, that feels like they're just blowing out of proportion. And then about, it was like a day to day thing that my mind started changing a lot more drastically, Mm -hmm. but I am so grateful that I managed to get an album out right as we shut down and comedy is dead for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Like that. And that really is cool because now like you have like relevant content and you're able to get it out there. And there's not a lot of other, I'll say competition out there for people that are putting that, that level of content out, especially in a, in a, in a, in a live environment, which is you, you can't do right now. Like you said, you're not going to hear yeah. any laughs. <laughs> so that'd be really tough. Yeah. You're going to uh, have to figure out another way to shoot a special. I, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, it was just like a really, it was a really weird time. Indeed. Uh, so you're from, um, you're originally from South Africa, right? When did you move to America? Um, I moved here in 79. I wasn't even a year old. So, mm-hmm. um, so they, yeah, they moved there to Houston, Texas. And then I basically grew up there for most of my adult life or young adult life. So do you, do you ever go back and like, is, do you still have family? Not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess you're not going anywhere right now. It's a very good point, Kevin. I meant more like before, you know, the entire world got attacked by a pandemic. Did you, do you make regular visits back there? Is that something that you just, you know, you're from there and that's kind of that. Um, yeah, basically that's that. I went back when it, in like 91, but it's so, it was so expensive. And then now most of my family that's from there have immigrated to Australia. Mm-hmm. So, and that I've only done once. So if I wanted to see family, most of them, I would have to go check out in Australia. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a hike. Yeah. I complain yeah. about going to Pittsburgh to see my parents. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's a, a six hour drive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You got to be on a plane for a day and do, like, reorient uh, yourself. Uh, it's like a thousand dollars just to get out there. Oh yeah, I'm sure. And then, uh, like I, 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 do you, where do they, where are they in Australia? Are they Sydney or something like that? Sydney and (laughs) (laughs) it's unbelievable. It's okay. I'm going to be interviewing comedian today. Can we make sure the dogs aren't barking all over the place? (laughs) Ah, Nope. 
Yeah. Part of the charm of the show. Oh, yeah. It's you, part you, of called the charm. Yeah. you called it. This I is did. your fault. Okay. I'm blaming you. Okay. I'll take the blame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're in Australia. Sorry. Uh, oh, uh, Sydney and then Brisbane. Oh, wow. All right. Cool. So it's like nice. It's not like, you know, having to like go through like crocodile Dundee territory, like dodging Aborigines or anything like oh, that. <laughs> yeah. No, they live in all like the cities. That's cool. Um, so, uh, you know, how, how's Joe holding up throughout this? I know I've, I've listened to, to Tuesdays with stories, which is great with Mark and they're hilarious. How is, um, how's he holding up during this nonsense? Um, I think we, Joe and I have talked about it. We feel like we're doing the best that we've ever done in our entire lives. Like mentally we feel great. Um, we started realizing a lot of stuff with stand up was a waste of time and that we were able to put more energy into like like I'm into making videos and sketches and then doing the working on the podcast and doing more stuff online and it's been nice because I feel like I've been more connected to friends and family and he feels the same way but I mean we are starting to uh, get an itch to start doing stand up again in a live setting. Do you think that it's going to go back to like, cause when I think of, I just use the stand as an example, when downstairs at the stand, you pack people in there like sardines. It's like you're literally on top of each other. I it, like it. So either you have to be masked up and, and have a lot of hand sanitizer, unless we could figure out a way to, to, to actually, you know, vaccinate or cure this thing. How do you think that's going to look like you, do you think that they're just going to have some more, it's going to be a little bit more spread out, less people in there or. Um, well, I went to the cellar the other day and they're ready to be open at least on the, um, the restaurant part because mm-hmm. they set, they've set up a like clear plastic divider on the stage. So the performer is protected and then the audience is protected from any performer that likes accidentally spits. Cause we do, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some more than others, but yeah. then I think it'll probably be something like that. And then audience members will just have to wear a mask. But I don't, I mean, I don't know how you're going to do that if drinks are involved. Yeah. Like, what are you going to put a little straw hole through it? Like that's, I don't think that we've mastered the mask. I did see somebody that had like a little, but I think it defeats the purpose of the mask itself. They put like a little smile slit in there so they can, they can drink things, but you're trying to keep things out of it. Well, you yeah, could, you, you could wear that leather one that you have with the zipper on the front. The as gimp a, it, one? You could, yeah, you could rock yeah. that, Chris. That's for after this podcast when we do the can. <laughs> one thing at a time, Kevin. Dual purpose, man. I don't know, yeah, I guess I could repurpose it. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. We'll be right back with Sarah Talmash after these words from One Hope Wine. As we continue to grow our audience and reach, we see firsthand the challenges that come with building a brand. That's why we are committed to supporting businesses that are locally owned and operated or are related to a good cause. And good news, this next business hits both qualifications. Have you heard of wine that gives back? One Hope Wines provides measurable impact with every sip. One Hope is a social impact brand based in Napa Valley. All of their award-winning wines support charitable causes, and to date, the One Hope Foundation has donated over $5 million to nonprofits. Pretty amazing. Amazing. Contact our friend, Renee, to order wine or host a Napa-style wine tasting at onehopewine.com. That's O-N-E, hopewine.com, slash my shop, slash 99% chance 
drinks of wine. Now that is the number 99, not 99 spelled out. And percent is actually not a percent sign, but the word percent. So it's 99% chance of wine. You can also follow her at Instagram and Facebook at, again, 99% chance of wine. And that is the number 99, not 99 spelled out. And percent is the word percent, not the actual symbol. So, hey, guys, give back, have an impact, and enjoy some lovely Napa Valley wine while doing it. So do you do you feel like you're kind of getting to flex like different creative muscles during all this being that you can't do kind of normal stand up and you kind of have to think outside of the box? Do you think that there is some benefit to being being able to kind of do things a little differently and and be a little more creative than you might have been in just in just doing sets? Yeah, I definitely yeah, I definitely feel like there's more energy. Like I want to create short films. You can do video stuff. I think you can reach a lot more people online than you can when you're just doing a show. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, you see there's like a bigger benefit with that. I think there's also more opportunity to make money online as a business than there is to actually do shows because that was the thing that was frustrating for me is like, I couldn't, I'm start, I was starting to headline before this happened, but I was most of the time I was still featuring and the amount of money that you make from featuring goes into all your travel expenses that you're like, what am I doing? Right. So you're it's, just basically getting crazy. exposure. You're getting exposed. Basically, if you're if you're featuring, you're getting you're, you're breaking even on the travel stuff, maybe getting a little bit of money. But you're just basically you're just getting your name out at that point. Right. Just trying to, you know, build the chops and get your name out there. Yeah. Where I, you know, like there's people that become so well known on the social media apps that probably could headline way more faster than I could without any material that you're just seeing. You're like, oh, I should have also been working on my social media more and creating a presence online. So more people would come to my show where I was like, Oh, I'll just do the stage the whole time. And then, but you're like, hardly anyone sees that. Right. Well, it's, it's funny you said that because we were uh, on a previous podcast, we were talking about TikTok and, um, and I was actually, we have um, uh, one of the segments on our show is called the topic randomizer. So I've got this thing that just basically takes all these topics and in whatever you land on, we have to talk about the next time. And I had the unfortunate uh, situation a couple of uh, rounds ago where it landed on interview your kids and hate millennials even more. So I had to talk to, to two 13 year olds and talking to them was like pulling teeth and yeah. they were talking, but because they've got this very, very short attention span. So we, we talked a little bit about TikTok and TikTok's a great vehicle to, to get your stuff out there. And, uh, but it's amazing. You don't have to be particularly like you putting out the contents one thing but the person that's got like five million people that's just eating a sandwich and that's somehow entertaining i don't understand that at all so uh, but she still has five million viewers you know yeah oh i mean some of them you're just like i don't understand why are people so into you like there's a lot of them you're like oh i think because they're really cute but you're like, they're just doing dances. So like, why did they hit and not the other girls that are just as cute that are probably doing the same thing? So sometimes it feels like there's no rhyme or reasoning to it. 
I still don't. I mean, after asking them, because, uh, you know, uh, we broke our, I actually, he, he wasn't there with us, but, um, I broke it down into clips because I couldn't have, it took an hour to get like any kind of relevant information out of them. And I had to cut it down into segments. And when we were going through it, it took five segments just to get their name and their age out five. So these people have attention spans that are going all over the, they're playing on their phone. We're sitting in here. It was crazy. While you're, while you're interviewing them. While on I'm the interviewing them. Yes. They're playing beer pong on game pigeon. They're like, ah, oh, I got one in. I'm like, well, what the hell are you two doing? Yeah. Like I bet. Do they watch shows with, while on their phone? Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not paying attention at all. Uh, that was the other thing too. I was, I was trying to get her into uh, watching a movie with me. Cause you know, I want to have a relationship with my child when I could do things with her, but we were watching kill bill, which is a great movie. It's fantastic. My it's favorite. Got, yeah. yeah. So it's got a lot of, a lot of really great action in it. And she couldn't be bothered. Like she was in her phone. Like it's, it's like all of a sudden I hear in, in the, in the earshot, the YouTube happening in the background. I'm like, just get out of here. All right. Yeah. Go do your thing that you love. <laughs> yeah. She just was not interested. She was, I, I don't have children and it was, it was the best birth control I'd ever received. <laughs> yeah. I, I was, as, as I was listening to the interview, I was fashioning a tool to give myself a vasectomy. Um, <laughs> so it was, it was, it was perfect yeah. uh, in my, in my regard. I loved every second. Oh um, yeah. You, you, <laughs> you yeah, yeah. well, it's like, it's oh, so weird. Stuff. I remember growing up, you would watch like, you know, you'd watch TV shows like the Smurfs and all that. Or yeah. snorkels and Punky yeah. Brewster would watch like 30 minute shows and stuff like that. But then now when I see my friends, what their kids like watching, it'll be somebody opening up a toy that has like 20 million views. You're like, it's, so it's so funny to put all that effort into work of creating a plot and oh. character development. And you're like, no, all you have to do is just have like a four year old just open up toys. Yeah. Hey, look, I got a Shopkin. This is what it looks like. That's it. That's that's it is literally there's not like a review it. of it. Like, you know what this thing is like, ah, you know, it's a little shake thing. Uh, I can see where you could use this. There's no context outside of opening it, showing it, and then moving on. If you have and especially if you've got a very high octave voice, it's kind of like how you you try to use like baby Einstein or some of those other tapes to like get little babies to be in like to like look. It's you have a high octave voice, loud colors like uh, what are those things called the Teletubbies from the Teletubbies. Yeah. yeah, it's like that. So, yeah, not not great. But that's uh, that's the world we live in. Apparently, creative, create, creative, creativity be damned. All we have to do is open things up. Well, now all you have to do is try to uh, bounce a beer off of a basketball and catch it and chug it. That's a new thing that's going around. Yeah. And you see people get hit in the face with beers cans, but that I enjoy. But, yeah. That's got entertainment <laughs> value to it. Like at least you're doing a skill and you probably mess it up and it's hilarious. I, I'll, I'll get into that. Just don't see anything on the other uh, stuff. So you were, you were on lost uh, last comic standing in season six. What was that experience? Like, like I, I see that you, you were in the audition phase. I don't know that. Did you get past that phase or was it just that, that one episode? Um, I just did that one episode. I made it to the night round. I've done it twice and I made it to the night round. I think I was in the second or third season of it. I'm where I made it to the night round and then I never made it past that. And that experience is fine out of all like the audition showcase shows that you do. And then they made it easier the second time I did it where uh, you didn't have to wait in line. You were either, you were invited, but they still made it seem like you had to wait in line. Um, 
and that one it's weird because it's not ideal you're doing a stand you're doing your set for two minutes in front of three people and no audience members oh that's brutal yeah that doesn't that doesn't sound a lot of fun like like, like a lot of fun um, no if, i think if you yeah. it's do- well better to try then <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> And it's in front of industry. So like I find industry to not be the best audience members. Like you just want regular Joe Schmoes that don't watch like millions of hours of stand up every day. Yeah, for sure. We, um, I remember uh, Kevin and I were in a band together and, uh, we did a showcase. Do you remember we did the showcase in North Philly and it was all industry people and it was nerve wracking because it, it, to your point, it wasn't like when we go and do a show, like in front of our fans or even at a place that like we played at CBGB's a couple of times, which was cool. And like, that's an experience. And you get, again, similar to what you said about being in front of a, a live audience in comedy, they react. These people were just kind of like, uh, uh-huh. writing notes it was not fun. Yeah. It's so disheartening. And then like, I remember the one year that I did it, like the body language would be like this on the table by the time that you get out where, you know, that like, Oh oh, God, you're like walking into people that don't even want to be there anymore. Cause they're on like the sixth hour or eighth hour of shooting. Oh, that sounds really, really, it's definitely just like, I, I guess I'm terrible at this. I mean, it's gets almost more harm than good. <laughs> you know, I don't like doing those kind of situations, but if you, when you make it past that round and then you do the night round, that audience is so hot that it's really hard to have a bad set. At that, yeah. Cause they're just jazzed to be there. Yeah. They're, they're excited. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know how they determine. That's why those shows, I think a lot of times are rigged. Yeah. That, well, that, that's what I would think. Like a, a lot of those, I don't believe any of those kinds of reality shows. Like uh, I do. Reality like, shows aren't reality. No way. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. yeah, I know. I'm really, I'm really breaking oh, my, my, my hot take is like really going <laughs> to set the world on fire. Yikes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it is, it is disheartening. Um, I did notice uh, too, like when it was, uh, cause you know, we'd like to do research around here that you were in a movie called, uh, pop meets the void. What? And it, I had never seen the movie in, in all transparency, but it looked crazy. Like just reading the description of it. What was that like? Um, well, it was my first time to get asked to do something like that. And I'm always up for a challenge and I like doing acting stuff. I just don't get asked to do it often. And so that was really cool. Cause it was a very, um, it was an independent movie and you shoot it, you bring everything down, you know, like you pack everything up and then you go to the next location. Some of it, uh, like he rented a house and we did some of the scenes there. And then we did one at this weird, I, a lot of it was done in, um, out in Pennsylvania. I'm not, not sure where, but I was at this weird mall that was kind of like an antique mall that was shut down that we could do it there. And then there was, you guys also have, I didn't know this, but there's like a studio near Philly that shoots low budget sci-fis that are big, <laughs> that get like shipped over in Japan. Oh, it's shit. Really- like the rubber monster kind of like movies yeah. and stuff like that. That's <laughs> yeah. hilarious. I didn't uh, even know that. We got to find that yeah. studio. Yeah, right. Seriously. <laughs> so I, we shot stuff there at that studio and the guy, he is from... I think near Philly, um, William Kusick, who lives in a story, he just watched me. He was, he saw me do a set with his wife and then our partner. And then they liked my set and then they thought I'd be good. So I just did it there. But yeah, it was a challenge. I don't memorizing lines is really hard for me. 
Oh, is that, that, that? I think it's just really hard in general. Yeah, period. Yeah. Especially like I have, I have hardcore ADHD. Like, yeah. M- uh, while you've been talking, I've been trying to figure out what those action figures are over your right shoulder. <laughs> over your right shoulder. I'm assuming so, there's a Met up there on the left. Uh, that, oh yeah. Is that Fusilli Jerry from? That's Fusilli Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> Well spotted, sir. Thank you. Yeah, try, <laughs> but yeah, try. so like I could understand the memorizing lines because again, Chris mentioned that we were in band. So even just memorizing lyrics so you could play them over and over again at shows um is incredibly difficult. So I imagine memorizing lines for a movie is is just as just as hard. Yeah, no doubt. It it's awful because like I so I had to do a taped audition the other day and I had my lines memorized, and I'm the one that's taping it. So as soon as I press record it flies, all of that shit flies out my head and I can't remember it perfectly. And you're like, how is it that I remembered it? I was doing it for a good half hour over and over again with no problems. And then as soon as I press record, I can't remember shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think again, I think it's one of those things that if you're just not oriented to remembering things easily, I mean, but you, but in fairness, you know, I'm assuming that most of your sets are, you know, uh, when you're doing comedy, it's all, you know, coming, it's not coming off the top of your dome. It's, you know, you're, you've memorized that at least. So maybe because you're the one that wrote it, it's easier for you to, to, to retain it. Is that possible? Yeah. Well, it's also because you just do when you're doing, you know, two to three sets almost every night you have, it becomes muscle memory. Yeah. It's yeah, like, for sure. Sometimes when somebody just says one letter or one word, all of a sudden it sparks you into a song. That's how it is. Sometimes when you do your, you're like, Oh shit, I don't know how to do this joke. And then you do the first sentence of it. And then you're like, I, Oh, here we go. I know how, where to get into it now. Yeah. You've done it. You've done it so many times that it was the trigger. And then next thing you know, you're, you're right into the actual, right into the actual joke, which is cool. Yeah. Um, so but I, I still have a hard time memorizing my order. Like anytime I uh, do a long, like it, it's so weird. Like when you start off, you're like five minutes seems like a long time. Then five minutes is like nothing. You can just show up ill prepared and just do five minutes. Then you get over that. And then you're like, Oh God, how do you do 15? And then you get there and you just do it. But then I feel like around the 30 to 45 minute mark, like I don't get to do that all the time. So those sets, I really have to think and I hate thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody likes that. Do you have any, do you have any uh, material or bits that you just don't like doing because you you've done it so many times or because it's, it's kind of uh, well known by by the people that follow you. Um, and you're just like, I hate doing this friggin' joke, this one but, again. but I just, but I just do it because I have to, uh, I'm just curious. Cause we had, as musicians, we were, yeah. we would have times where like our fans would want us to play a particular song. And we've been playing that song mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. We get so sick of it. Do you have any bits or, or, or jokes or anything like that that you just get sick of doing, but you do it anyway? Well, it's not, I don't know if it's like get sick of doing, I start feeling shame about it, that I've been doing it for so long. And then it makes me hope that no one is watching me do this. Um, like I, cause I try to like, I'll keep a joke within the year cycle, but if once the year hit, I try to move it out of my long-term set. Um, and then, so that get like, I get like embarrassed about that, but sometimes, and you probably do this with songs is that you figure I add more tags. I always joke mm-hmm. that, that you're like, I write 
a bit and then I tag it three years later. <laughs> yeah, the right tag, you know, and, and that's that's a really good point. And we, we do we, we have done that, like where you you have to make a little bit of an adjustment on the song. Um, but and, and, you know, it's the really moved verses completely around oh. songs and stuff like that. I switched the order of things just to make it like, I was, the, one of our most do. popular songs that, you know, relatively we speaking it. to us was we fl- we moved like really switched two verses completely when we recorded it because we recorded it on two albums. The first album we did it and then the second one we inverse the order of those verses so we totally understand that um yeah yeah. no i was gonna say the reason i asked is because i think i like gaffigan and like the whole hot pockets bit Uh, and just like you know that kind of all right let me get this over with so i can move on yeah let me me get the bits out yeah yeah um so uh, one other question for you um and, you know, we can we can wrap after that. But, like, you know, I wanted to ask you about your podcast, Vag, with uh, with Andrea uh, or Adrian. Excuse me, Andrea. Jesus Christ. Oh, no worries. Um, um, <laughs> what like, you know, what kind of inspired that? Like, where where did we, have you guys been friends for a long time? Like, because, you know, as I've known this guy since in second, second grade, second grade. So, oh, you know, nice. and, we're in our, and we're in our 40s now. So, yeah. <laughs> well, most of my friends that I have are people that I grew up with. I've only have a few that I've added on, but it's not a huge amount afterwards. But Adrian and I met, of course, through stand-up. We did a Montreal showcase audition together years ago. And I really liked her. And then I think she liked me. And then we started following each other on Twitter. And then every now and then we would have an interaction that was fun. And then I would start seeing her around at gigs. And so I just always thought Adrian was funny. And then she had a joke about two female cops. And then I was like, Oh, I've always wanted to write a cop show uh, about two female cops. And then we wrote a pilot together that never anything ever happened. And uh, we joke about it to this day of how, what a waste of time that was. <laughs> you have moments when you were writing it, you're like, this is it. This is going to be the thing. Like, <laughs> Well, you hope, but that it's so, show business is so disheartening. Like I'll read something like Lena Dunham just showed up to a meeting with a half a page of her pitch for girls. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, we spent like a whole year and a half <laughs> and it will never get seen because nobody gives a shit. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it's, it's, well, great. It's, a, it's a rough reality check, right? There. It is. Oh, and so you just... You do it because you want to, but that's why I'm always like, I love people that are like, fuck the industry and make it on their own because you don't need the industry. It's a little frustrating because you do have to put in a lot more work, but with Patreon and all that stuff and YouTubes, and I think a lot of comics are going that direction is that you can just make your own stuff. Um, but so she and I, after that, we were like, we always, always do like an hour before we started working. And then we were like, well, we should do a podcast. And then we, the cop show was originally going to be called badge. And I named it badge cause it sounded like badge. So I thought it worked out that way. But then Adrian, every time she would go into a meeting, she would say badge. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why I didn't get picked up. I know. Like, yeah. <laughs> We have so they, a story about two cops called Vag. Yeah. Right. And so, <laughs> but everyone always liked the name that way. So we just stuck it. And then we thought if we just talked about our vaginas the whole time, maybe we can get a lot more listeners. And then we found out that actually 
there's more work that goes into it than just talking about your vagina. And I don't think we ever really talk about our vagina on Vag. So that's, that's actually kind of ironic. It's like, you know what? We're going to, it's actually, and, and uh, hopefully no one's come to you and say, this is false advertising. I was expecting Vag talk and I got none of it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's like a lot of, there's like a lot of comics that just are show a lot of sexy images on Instagram and that gets you a lot of attention. And then once you're there, then you can, that I was like, Oh, maybe we should do that. But it just didn't work out that way. Okay. Well, <laughs> speak for yourself. My only fans is blowing up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Your only fans. Well, I think uh, only fans is now doing comedy stuff now. Oh really? yeah, they are. Well, I think they switched it. So it was, so I, I'm sure that the people that are, are the most pissed are the cam girls that were, you know, monetizing greatly. Yes. They were yeah. like, yeah, come check this out. Now all of a sudden all these actual entertainers are coming in they're like, what the hell, man? Yeah. I'm supposed to the tips. Get out of my creepy void. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This is our medium. That's right. <laughs> you, you, they had cornered the market on it until you guys came, came a running. And, uh, yeah, I saw that a lot of the comics are doing those only fan pages, which is kind of cool. Um, it's different. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I would do it. I just don't want to, I just don't, I don't know. Want to talk to people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, after, after speaking with us, I totally understand. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's, that's fair. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I like talking to people is just like the whole thing of like, in this instance, we have an agenda and I know where it's going to go. Where in the only cam thing, you're like, what do you do? Sometimes I, I can be an awkward hang. Right. Well, I mean, I think that the point is that and the reason that it's such a good medium for sexual activity and, and voyeurism uh, is because, like, if you can't have anything to talk about, I could just whip my dick out, you know, or, <laughs> or diddle the bean, you know, like I do something. Hey, yeah. grab this number over here and stick it somewhere. That's interesting for somebody. <laughs> yeah, that makes I don't have I don't have those that those tools in my arsenal or whatever. You silly Jerry. He's back there. Yeah, that's true. We know how that ended, though. You don't want you don't be putting that silly anymore. That's right. That's a very painful experience. Oh yeah, I guess you have to like screw it the opposite way out, right? Yeah. There's there's a lot of things that's probably not going to work. That the, the Met the the Met guy might be a little bit better, or you could use the the big headed thing for, for like a butt plug or something. I'm fine oh, yeah. ways. Well, the one guy is that's Mookie Betts. That's yeah. Joe's thing. Oh, that's Mookie. Oh, he's a he's a uh, is he he's a Red Sox fan. Yeah. Well, well, Mookie's on the Dodgers. He well, now he yes, moves. I'm sure that he, that that Joe that yes he did <laughs> indeed. Um, okay, so oh, hey, um, you know, just because I know that you got uh, one to get to at one o'clock, we'll 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 wrap it up here. Um, sure. Hey, look, fans fans can get the new album Voluptuous Boy on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Probably some other things that I don't I can't remember. You OnlyFans. can stream it. <laughs> Only fans. You can stream it for free, I think, on Pandora right now. Oh, oh awesome. awesome. There you go. So go go get it on Pandora Tuesday, July 21st. Go check that out because we said so. And yeah. follow Sarah. Go Twitter and Instagram at S uh T O L L E M A C H E. If I try to if I said your name, <laughs> no our fans are dumb, so they're not gonna be able to spell shit. It's at the at symbol guys, the letter S T O L L E M A C H E. Tolamash. Yeah. Been, I, we would have tried to get them to spell it themselves. They've been like T O L M O S. They wouldn't have got past T, man. It's all right. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah gave up. Yeah. So now that we spelled it for you, you guys can figure it out. <laughs> 
Sarah, it was like really, really cool for us to talk to you. We'd love to do it again. And if of you course. ever want us to come talk to you on badge about your, about not your badge, cause you don't talk about that. We'd love to do it. <laughs> oh, of course. Anytime. This was fun. Thanks guys. Thanks, Thanks Sarah. All Take right. care. All right. Have a good one. All right. Bye guys. Bye. Bye.